We went to the tennis yesterday. The Australian Open is happening at the moment here in Melbourne and we spent most of the day there. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden it was nine hours later, maybe more. Nine hours. Ground pass babies. Yeah, like, you know what? I gotta say, I actually enjoy having a ground pass because it kind of forces me to be more, like, explorative. No. <laughs> explorative. Explorative. Yeah. Exploitative. No, not exploitative. Although, that we can get into that with some of the things that we spotted on ground. But, yeah, it's, it kind of pushes you to explore new players. I always like to see kind of new talent. I feel like that at festivals as well. It gives you the opportunity to kind of see people that aren't just the big names and headliners. Mm. So, I kind of liked that. It's like to... one of your hobbies to check out new tennis talent. Yeah. I've been doing it for a few years. Yeah, obviously. No, it's almost like A&Ring talent, you know, like as a fan, like A&Ring who I should be a fan of. I think that's a fun experience. You do it online, like you're digging through whatever social platforms. Yeah. We can't deny that half of the thing that you're looking for, much like a real A&R is a nice smile, good attitude, good personality. Look, there are things that you see half on... Half of it's the game, half yeah. of it's the personality. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, you know, having worked in the influencer engagement space, I'll call it, mm-hmm. I often have to find myself looking online for fresh talent for brands to engage with. And it's kind of hard sometimes, especially with athletes. I found this when I've worked with sports brands. It's really hard to tell what an athlete's personality is like on social because like as an example there are lots of sports in Australia especially where really great talent like where they've got a lot of potential or they're you know like a favorite on the field from an athletic perspective are quite bad at social media like soccer players as an example like particularly ones that aren't in like the major leagues I find heaps of them that I'd be like you have a lot of potential but like you're just really bad at using Instagram or you don't know how to use TikTok or you don't have a YouTube channel like you know it's obviously they're focused on the game but I guess in this particular environment especially with sports with like their affinity to brands and sponsorships like there's a real opportunity for like social media managers to come in here and like help out these athletes I'd say the same thing about the comedy world it's just like it's a hot mess yeah like it is a hot mess and not they're getting for, better at it though. yeah they're getting better and they're definitely standouts across all these different industries but it's like music is quite I don't know like music is very good at using the internet and presenting I guess it's very artistic in that way and I think that there's ability there is the ability to have art across all different industries but it's just something I've noticed so if you are an athlete and if you are a comedian and you need some help with just branding and socials Harry and I can help you yeah and this is not a sales pitch this is a genuine concern for like it is a sales pitch yeah it is a sales pitch but it's also two people right now (laughs) But, like, it's just, there is room for innovation here. Like, it's, it's great talent that needs to be surfaced through a very vapid consumer base. That's the fact of the matter. It's, like, people are, ex- like, they're used to seeing pretty things online. Like, that, we are, we are in the mood board era. Like, little tweaks to your social media presence, and not just social media, but, like, online presence, digital presence, could really help you in the real world and your real life. So, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't really what I was aiming for here, but it's just something that I... Yeah, but I think that's I how you're seeing... You're, like, seeing these young... Like, we saw a 20-year-old... What was his name? The American? Oh, Ben. Ben Shelton. So, you're looking at this Ben Shelton... Is he 23? Like, Younger. Know, 20. He was 20. So, we're, on the, we're, on, we're in the field... Sorry, in the court on one of the sort of... Definitely not the top-tier courts, but still stadium vibes. And we're, like, live analysing this player. You know, he's he's got, like, a pretty 
cute look. He's got some nice energy. I feel like he's very smiley and likable and he's 20. We're basically like character assassinating this guy. No, character analyzing this guy on the spot. And then... I wouldn't say assassinating at all. If anything, no, I, took I... That, I took that back. It was a, I crossed you... that word out in front of you. Wait, what is that called? Like, redacting the statement? Yeah, I redact assassination. I meant character <laughs> analyzing. Just sound so much You know what? I would probably call it more like, well, like storytelling. Like, we were building a story for him. Brand, like, we were building oh a narrative. God. This is like... This backstory. Is most, origin yeah. story. That's what it is. We're building an origin story for this guy that we've never heard of. Uh, today, you've definitely come into sales pitch to... All of the marketing managers. Out I haven't. There. We're I'm not sales pitching anyone. This is just how I behave. We're a we're a, we're a storytelling influencer agency now. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not an agency. Anyway, we're really like getting away from what we're really here to talk about, which is the experience of the tennis. The point of the matter is, like, I like to find these players on the field. It's really hard to like profile them, much like we're doing this origin story like seeing him in the visual field, like, you know, seeing him in the real world and being like, let me make an assessment of this dude. It's even harder when you see on socials and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, I can't tell if you're a good athlete on socials, but I can't also tell if you're like sport heavy posting and you're just posting about the game or whatever. I also don't know anything about you as a person. Not that we should always know things about, you know what I mean? But I'm like knowing the landscape with brands and, and the psychology of how people like psychologically work and connect with brands and people. It's like these things do matter if you are in the business of getting signed or getting brand deals and stuff, which is literally so hand in hand with sports. Like, especially globally, like, especially in America, like, these endorsements are, like, sport is so heavily integrated with advertising. Like, it's just, yeah, it no, is it the way it is. It. Exactly. It's, like, how it gets financed. Like, sometimes I'm just saying, you, you have there. to think about this shit. Sometimes you got to sit there and look at all these people and all these cameras and all these umpires and managers on the side of the court. And you're, like, all over a game of tennis. But you have, then you look around and you're, like, Kia, MasterCard. Rolex. Rolex. Random trading company random other company that I don't know what it is like you realize that this is just a vessel for advertising which is an interesting kind of paradigm because if the money if the prize money and the money wasn't in it you do question how how much passion would be in the game it's kind of it's a weird cycle to think about because usually they would start out playing the game through fun and passion for the game and competition but then really you know when you see Andy Murray doing a big come on like there's always a part of me that's like he just He's doing it for the clicks. Yeah, he's seeing the dollar signs here. Like, this is... But you can't... This is the psychology of it all. It's like, you can't say... And I'd even say it on, like, a scaled-back version of just, like, your professional life as an individual. At some point, money just becomes a center point. Mm. Because maybe it's because you want to buy nice things or you want to have ownership or whatever the fuck it is. We can try to have a more, like, third-eye-open approach to how we view the hierarchy of needs or whatever, but, like... It's just fucking, like, we're in a capitalist society, blah, blah, blah. And I would say that tennis is very much at the epicenter of this. Like, it's a wealthy, it's a wealthy game. It's like an elite sport. I think the Australian Open and tennis in general does it so seamlessly that they've built in the brand, the amount of branding that is at this event on TV and in real life is so ridiculous but they've done it so smoothly. It's, it's classy. I would say yeah, that they've done it in a classy way. Yeah, but if like you really open your eyes and look around, you're like, I'm in like the dystopian metaverse. Like, kind But of- you know what? Okay, the metaverse conversation is interesting with the tennis, right? So on the ground, you feel like you're in 
the what people perceive as the metaverse which you know you're naturally going to think about it as a digital space you think about the Roblox, you think about decentraland whatever you think of that but the concept of the metaverse is actually the real world plus the digital self and how they're kind of blurring the lines between both and i will say that it's quite consistent like i haven't actually gone into the australian open which they have launched a decentraland i even think i saw something about them being in roblox as well i'm not sure i have to look into that but they are very progressive when it comes to digital technology. And I would say that it's very, like, it's almost like you're primed to want to use the digital experience because when you go to the physical version of that, it's exactly what it feels like when you walk into a Roblox or Decentraland, like, activation. It feels the same. Like, it's very consistent, even aesthetically. I think reverse, like, art imitating life and reverse, it's, they've built the space IRL for your feed. They've built it. And I remember I was talking to Sir actually, and she said this good point about, you know, she referred to Instagram as its own metaverse and, you know, Facebook as its own metaverse and Twitter. Is, and I found that really interesting because the way that activations are now being built, it's, and then extension from that is cafes and just general society is everything is made to be perfect for Instagram. So if you take a photo in the restaurant space of the Australian Open, it, it looks beautiful. Everything's pink and clean and elegant so if you take that you know if you're trying to get your 50,000 followers up to 75 you you post a little like I don't know about getting to seven getting a 25,000 increase for posting one Kia activation but this is it's a perfect little it's a little content farm that's what's going on everything is a moment everything is an opportunity for content when you go into these spaces it is designed for content because that is going to but you know that is interesting the brands that are within the space and it's a cycle and I th- but you know what is interesting about that is the fact that it's almost like the question of as a consumer on instagram let's say viewing an event through instagram is that an experience in itself you know what i mean like you're not there but you logging onto an app and visual, like visually experiencing an event through stories or feed or whatever, is that experiential? It's just a digital experience, which is still you experiencing something. Therefore, this is that whole question of where mm-hmm. the the line is when it comes to I think I think the metaverse concept. Yeah. I think this is where it goes back to the elegance and the seamlessness of what they've done. Is they've done it in a way that's it allures you to go there yourself. Like if you can get there, you you go there. You're in the space and you can't deny that it's a, it's one of the most comfortable environments you could be in. Like, it's very privileged. You just feel privileged and you feel good being there. Like, that's kind of what opulence gives you. Well, it's the same feeling of good. like, yeah, deny. it's the same feeling as going to Soho House. It's like the concept of the Soho House and the experience of actually being there yeah. feels consistent. And this is... They've, this... Ta- they've tapped into the life of leisure, which is what tennis is all about. It's all about leisure. like that. And opulence. It's all about, you know, Wimbledon is at the centre point of everything and it, it all sort of bleeds out from there. And, and Wimbledon is all about opulence, elegance, you know, adjacent to, to the throne. It's all very hoity-toity, but now they've made it accessible to these kind of mid-tier people who, mid-tier meaning maybe they're on the precipice of fame, maybe they're influencers, maybe they're just kind of just trying to live their life, but they can tap into this now. And I think that's very aspirational. And it, you know and it feels that way when you're Yeah, I, it, what is interesting about that is, yeah, the art imitates life and blah, blah, blah. And also that blurred line between what a metaverse starts and ends or whatever, digital self and physical self, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm looking right now, this is really interesting actually talking about Soa because she is an artist. Like I knew her before I knew of her you know, digital art, you know, like she was in bands. She's kind of just like a cool person that was around Sydney and 
when she started doing the the digital art, I was working at a studio that my friend Christy runs or used to run called Pitch and we were doing similar work. And, you know, we kind of like had paid attention to the fact that she was making this art. But what I loved about it was because I had the perspective of what she was like in the real world, I saw her art and I was like, this is very reflective of you in a digital form. And I remember early, early on, actually, before the whole NFT wave, everything like that, she was kind of selling prints of her digital work, which again is like blurring that line of like the physical digital. And I was like, I would like to own one of those pieces. She did this one piece, which um, kind of was like a, almost like an avatar version of like someone that kind of reminded me of her in like a field full of butterflies and it reminded me of scissor kind of aesthetic. And I was like, I like that one. She got it printed for me, signed it, whatever, sent it to me. And I kind of put it away. Like I had it on the wall at one point and I put it away and I just found it the other day and I've now framed it and I'm looking at it in the physical world right now. And I'm looking at a physical version of a digital world she imagined that is like, reflective in some way of her physical world which again it's just like we're circling we're twirling here I think where this really like was reflected in the event yesterday or like you know obviously it's an ongoing event it's going to be on for the next couple of weeks but like something I felt was being let's say that beach club activation which had um what was that restaurant the guy that does the charcoal fish, fish butchery yeah so the charcoal guy fish. Does fish butchery in Sydney has another place called charcoal fish which is basically sort of a meat place that is all with fish so he makes that guy is genius yeah peter nyland is a he knows what he's doing oh man as a pescatarian cracking the coat making a tuna beef patty like a tuna cheeseburger patty that doesn't taste like tuna is pretty fucking genius we didn't eat it because we were gonna go to a pub to have dinner yeah we used to love going to fish butchery in sydney yeah it's a very indulgent thing that like the fries are a bit limp though Oh, well, that's a big call. I said it at the time. I can't remember, actually. They were probably, they were like triple cooked or something. They could have been much better. Anyway, so that activation was interesting. Let's just talk about the activations because that's what everyone wants to hear about. Mm. Let's not lie. Any of the uh, agency folk listening, this is what not to do. <laughs> if we keep being aligned to... This is school of angel fire today. Yeah, well, you know what? Like, this is what I would want to listen to. I want to know what the fuck's going on on the ground. If I couldn't go to the event, tell me what's going on, what did and don't. You don't hear enough feedback as someone that has worked in events a long time. Share this with a friend and agency. Yeah, like, you know what? You don't get enough feedback and critique about the activations other than the eyeballs or whatever influencer metrics you get. Like, of course, the influencer is going to say it was amazing because you paid them to. Like, let's, let's get some real fucking feedback from, like, industry professionals that are now, you know, outside of the industry. Industry. it's like i'm yeah. here now as a consumer i am your target demo yeah, add these add these flourishes to your chat gpt list that you've just <laughs> generated let's go yeah let, let this get scraped um onto the next one but yeah look the beach club that was the influencer activation like mm. i kind of walked in and i was like whoa i am like i didn't look too close i did not make eye contact with anyone i did not want to get seen I didn't want to get spoken to but I saw a general I felt a general aura of influencers compiled together Mm. for the photo ops in one corner there was a DJ in like some activation above some kind of bar on the roof again I couldn't get the a strong POV on who it was it just felt like you were kind of at a one of those higher class doofs where they have big infrastructure and there's a DJ like soaring above you and it could have been like a splendor like secret sounds connect activation it was very like well executed but yeah influences like i saw the general i'm just gonna say a blur of what i did see was like blazers 
But like in the, it's funny that blazers have become such a big fashion statement because mm. it's like poking at the suit, you know, like the corporate suit look. Like if yeah. you didn't know, you'd be like, you're just wearing a suit. That's a bunch of execs. But well, I feel like it's one of the highlights of a suit is the blazer, like the, is the jacket. You can get rid of the tuck shirt, the pants. Yeah. You're like wearing like a, a clean, heavy cotton t-shirt yeah. under a blazer you got the bike. This is the, this is the classic influencer look, though, with the bike shorts. It was probably like a Kim K move, but you know, like the bike shorts, and then maybe like a nice loafer, potentially some kind of higher end sneaker. Mm. But like there was, a, I, I saw, or just an Air Force One. Like yeah, the, the clean, clean Air Force One. Air Force one. But you know, what, like I will say, the color palette that I saw in my blurred vision from like a side eye was a beige profile. Yeah. It was like tones of beige palettes. It was like yeah, you could argue that tennis in general is a beige sport. You know, like we're going. It's not quite. I wouldn't say it's no longer just white. It's it's beige. You know. Yeah, it's Off-white, a white, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. It was like, I don't know. I wasn't diversity checking the crowd. I was just, I was looking purely at palettes. My like Tennis side... had a diversity problem for a long time. Let's just say that. Yeah. But it's getting better. This is, this is part of the whole elitism, yeah. like classism conversation surrounding like, you shout know, out, sports that are made for the wealthy. Curious, you know, breaking down those barriers, plus many more. Plus many more. But, uh, you know, if we're talking Australian, Australian tennis players, he didn't, he wasn't playing. So yeah. that was interesting. Uh, I know it would have been fun. I would, I'd love to see him play and make a scene. But anyways, so beige palette. The, you know what was really weird about this, and this was a bit like Squid Games energy. But like, you got DJ on the top of a bar. So they almost like it's funny with the DJ thing in on top of the bar where I can't see you because it could just be a playlist on some speakers and I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. Like at at that point, it's like I kind of want to see the DJ. I can see the DJ. Really? Yeah. I mean, maybe at your height you could. I don't know. I couldn't really. I was trying to get a good POV. It wasn't really happening for me. Just chilling up there. I didn't recognize. Well, I think I saw a glimpse at some point. But yes, could work on the angles. Didn't feel inclusive for short people to you, be able I to see. I even mentioned her, but... No, yeah, I saw like a glimpse there. from a far away POV, she but as I got closer, I couldn't see. a great view over the whole site. Just now that I think Maybe about. we should be having her do a pod about what she saw yeah. on the field. If you, if you know who you are, let us know. Yeah, we'll get some commentary. Okay, the Squid Games part came from beige blur of blazers. Blazers. <laughs> Hashtag that. I got nothing to add to that. Yeah, so the blazers are going off over there in that... Oh, God. Actually, you know what I, I vividly remember was, there was they were doing this like beach party aesthetic, but like... There was no sand, which is smart because from a activation perspective, you don't want to be fucking bringing in sand. It's hard to get out and it's heavy and it's blah, blah, blah. I did like this. They use this blue kind of turf that I'd imagine is similar to the blue ground of the tennis mm. as like fake water. And then they had like just like this fake environment, mm. which was almost like hyper, it was like hyper real surrealism situation. I don't know if that's the art term, but like that was what was going on. So there's this fake, it looked like Paramount, the rooftop level. In Sydney. Yeah, the leisure club or whatever it's called. Like that was the aesthetic. Very Sydney. And then there's like, yeah, the the blazers like in a pack making content. And then outside of that, and this is where I'm saying like it kind of reminded me of like, you know, the Line Hotel or some shit like that. Maybe it wasn't the Line. Maybe I'm thinking more like, again, Soho House, the Line, the Ace. Paramount, like these kind of like luxury, like millennial luxury hotel situations. They're not quite luxury, but it's like very, very with it type of trendy hotels. It had these little booths 
surrounding the fake pool of like filled with blazers and inside those booths were like I'd assume one of them belonged to the influencers or maybe a couple of them belonged to influencers but there were a couple of them that were like straight up suits in yeah. there like execs brand managers the up and coming execs are we talking like you know what I did notice and this is how I could differentiate between like a regular punter and someone that's on the clock was there was a lot of people doing like meetings there are like cool. airpods like in that. meetings oh, like, meetings at, with external not with each no, other no no not with each other they were like that on was leisure the phone. they're in a leisure zone they weren't meeting their IRL but they Me- were tapped in yeah they were like South Yarra, like yeah yeah there was a phone call happening reporting back to the office of what they're witnessing you know like I'm not happy I think I overheard one guy that's like we're not just we're just not like quite satisfied with blah 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 you know like stuff like that like there were meetings there were there were not right so this off the clock you know what I mean like that was right. something I noticed so this sort of agent manager was having a stern word he was putting on his stern voice yeah there was some stern voices and then also the other voice the other like I am client services side and brand manager is like how's it going there and you're like it's going well mm. there's about 20 influencers in in blazers dancing on the fake pool just two meters left of me like you mm. know what i mean like there was so a couple there was a bit of, of anxiety on the on the airpods yeah yeah there was a couple of those couple of um staunch feeling. staunch feelings yeah so you know this is like a monday or well, what day was it it was thursday <laughs> You can, you really live in that freelance life when you think Thursday is Monday. It's like, it's not Monday. <laughs> it's like four days later. Oh, fuck my life. Anyways, so the moral of the story is it's Thursday, but it's not Friday. Well, the reason when you're saying all this, I'm not surprised, is because it was Thursday and that is so close to the weekend. That but it's like 11 a.m. on a Thursday. Why? It's Thursday in January. And we're first week back for a lot of people. Like this yeah, is, but there's this also a tension going at the moment. Like, this is the thing. Don't get it twisted. January seems like the write-off, but don't forget that everyone's being forced to take leave through December. Mm. And some they've got a skeleton staff in office that's barely holding on. Junior staff members have forfeited their family time to hold this ship together. And yeah. now everyone's come back. They've potentially not seen their grandma for the last time to... Uh... Man, the agency. Control. And that one hits because it's happened to too many people. But yeah, this is the thing. So like people have come back to save the skeleton stuff from absolute spiral into depression or whatever. Yeah. And now they're back in the office and everyone's kind of like scrambling to get their shit back together. Yeah. But they've got their 15 day holiday scheduled for April when they get that Easter Anzac Day holiday hack. They're really cramming for the next couple months. For yeah, that, for but there's next... also the other type that are like, I've come back from having like a very blissful two-week holiday to some interstate location. Yeah, hashtag like, Byron Bay. Yeah, I'm like, you know, we saw, we know who we saw. Yeah, they've just come back from light years in Byron. They've kind of chucked on the, the vages and they're ready to... They're ready to kick some ass. Yeah, kick some ass, but then there's a part of them, like a 25%, maybe more, maybe ending more towards 50%. It's a 50-50 chance that they're quiet quitting. Yeah. They're quiet quitting because they're like, there's got to be more to life than slaving away for the bag, but then I won't be able to go to light years, so... Yeah, how do you fund the lifestyle if you How do you fund the lifestyle? It's like, I, but Mm. I want it all, and that's kind of where we're at. This is a January existential crisis. Does a rock star at an agency quiet quit? Because everyone's a rock star nowadays. Yeah, on paper. If you're not a rock star, you're not welcome in this agency. Yeah, but on paper. Mm. What happens when manager of rock stars also quiet quits? Side note to all this, just a little pet peeve I've been noticing recently. People who say LFG or let's go... 
like, or let's fucking go when someone or something happens. I can't stand that and I won't do it. But I saw a meme the other day and it was like, artist managers, all they do is write, <laughs> let's fucking go under their artist's picture on Instagram. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. All right. So fair. LFG, just as the abbreviation, or let's go or let's fucking go. I just, ugh, that just, I can't stand that. Adjacent to that, I am. Sorry if you do it. But... I'm adjacent to that that I kind of feel slightly guilty of is the go off queen go, go off, off king, king yeah. go off then this mm. is why i had to deactivate instagram because i can't you're speaking in tongues i'm speaking you, in... you've never done it and now you're, all, you're like speaking weird pseudonyms that you never want this to is say. one of those things that you try to it's like, it all comes back to high school so you're just trying to fit in yeah the reason i say that is because my biggest pet peeve is people asking for asking for rock stars or superstars to work for them no rock stars specifically let's not lie why? Stop appropriating music terminology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're not going to fund the arts, get the fuck out. Don't even use Rockstar. Secondly, that's a lot of expectation. Like, you're hiring me to work for you and I have to, from the get, be a rock star. Let's break down what that... Yeah, this is the thing, what though. Rockstar is a rebel. Like, you can't put it in your job description to be like, I want a rock star that abides by the rules. It's yeah. like a paradox. What does it mean to ask for a rock star to work? at your corporate agency. What does that even mean? What does it insinuate? Because there is a real rock star, which is nothing to do with it. But what does it mean? What is in the mind of someone asking for a rock star, do you think? Well, I would say that it's probably more brand world than it is agency. But it kind of goes both. It's definitely big in tech. That's for sure. I've seen it across all of these jobs. What are three characteristics of a rock star that is being asked of them? I mean, my view, it would be like willing to get out there and be a face for the brand. Yep. Because like they want you to be like pilled enough that you're going to be a brand advocate. Interesting. So that's one. not on pills, but pilled enough. Yeah. Like they're they're reframing what... Pilled by not those pills but the, the brand yeah. itself that's one right. thing i think another thing is like wanting to be the best like be the best yeah. at something like you're a rock star like you're mm. you're famous you're like up there you're the elite like yeah. we want you to be better than the best we want you to be the one percent that like that is, shines yeah because rock stars are not frequent it's like they're very rare maybe there's also like a like shooting star like a comet you know like that tech emoji you know like text you like to use the rocket emoji <laughs> That's that's <laughs> the LFG. Let's fucking go rocket emoji. That's the combo. Yeah, that's the combo. But like, I mean, I'm probably reading too far into. No, the we're not. We're reading far enough because this is the shit that I I need to get it off my chest because everyone's got to stop. Yeah. Or keep going because it's going to give me more content to talk about. I'm more into. I'd rather than use the rocket ship emoji, I would rather use the shooting star that's got the star with the little like whoop. You know, a little curve on the edge. Yeah. That's like it's moving. That's a better... That's a bit softer. That's more like a... Shine bright like a diamond. Yeah, like more like sparkle. Like, wait, stay gold, pony boy. Like that kind of mm. spirit hand. Spirit fingers. Like, yeah. bring it on. She's, she's doing the spirit hands. <laughs> like, so you know. Like I'm sparkling. Like she's on Glee or Fame. Yeah. Or like, I haven't seen Fame, but... I yeah, that, that, that kind of vibe. It's just like we want you to be... Actually, Glee is a good example. We want you to be a cheerleader for this brand. Yeah. We want you to be the goodest girl, boy, gender neutral folk. Like, I don't know what the fuck these brands are looking for. I think for. the third, I, I think the third, just to wrap this up, because I could talk about this for too long, but we have the tennis to talk about, is Rockstar insinuates 
that you'll be up all night. Yeah. You want to chase the sun. You'll be up till... Time doesn't exist when you're in the zone. Yeah. You'll be up till 11pm stressing over the social media plan for the overseas call that happens at midnight because head office is in, you know, New York or Singapore and you're just... But you're a rock star. Yeah, because you're up Remember, you signed up to be a rock star from getting the job. Rock stars don't sleep and neither do you because you're a rock star now. No sleep till Zoom call. Yeah. (laughs) That's true, yeah. I think I'm starting to finally realise what people want out of rock stars. I fucking hate it. (laughs) What's funny about, well, I don't know if it's funny or if it's ironic or how this falls, but like said, let's say tech brand says we want you to be a rock star, whatever their connotation or whatever their description of a rock star is, which they don't quite explain. They just kind of expect you to put your lens on it. it. That's it. They don't explain it. So it's this ubiquitous black hole of meaning where everyone's like... Well, this is the other thing, right? Am I a rock star? Am I not? Well, I think... I can't remember who said it. It was in someone from the film industry where it was like, you know, with writing, it's like not quite telling someone what the thing is it's just yeah. you just say something really broadly like mm. like the most beautiful beach in the world and then your brain takes it to wherever you think the most beautiful <laughs> beach is but it's kind of like nondescript enough that it lets you do the work for them yeah but yeah so like let's say tech, said tech brand says be rock star we want you to be a rock star yeah and then irony is that like the arts are severely underfunded huge irony there. and then the other irony is that there's a massive global situation with tech layoffs and I'm like, without even thinking, the psychology here is that yet again, the arts are unsupported and exploited. Yeah. Also, last point on this, you can't have a whole team full of rock stars. Yeah, they can only there's really there's only be... one rock star per, you know, group per 10 square feet. You know what I mean? Like we're not... Well, I guess if you're being put into cubicles like in Gattaca, <laughs> yeah. then yeah, you can be your own rock star in your own domain within the institution. When we're asking for rock stars on the next JD... Let's break it down. Let's give some parameters as to what that means. If you want that rock star, you got to treat them like a rock star. We need to get Webster's Dictionary up. We need a writer. We need unlimited supply to whatever they want. We need... Look up Webster's Dictionary definition of a rock star because I really want to know... Webster or, or Urban Dictionary? Maybe pull up both and just... we Let's just do the work for the people here because you need to have a baseline so that when you see... Rock star define. All right, let's go. A famous and successful singer or performer of rock music. A person treated as a celebrity, especially in inspiring fanatical admiration. Boom. You better be treating your rock stars with fanatical admiration (laughs) and as a celebrity. Does that also... Because that also implies that there would be a paycheck there that would reflect Mm. said celebrity, which I can almost guarantee that it is not. What does Urban Dictionary say? <laughs> Someone who engages in hardcore partying, including tons of alcohol, drugs, and sex. We're going to have so much fun tonight, and I doubt we'll even remember. Yeah, that's that's not that's not the same thing. Although, I guess if it's like, yeah, you're up all night because you've taken your Dexies so that you can focus on your work forever and ever, and that's like... You know, your opulence in excess now comes from your prescribed medication and the infinite amounts of data that you're pouring through in order to produce your post-campaign report, then sure. Yeah, I guess that does add up. <laughs> Back to the Blazers. Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie, that activation was, it was almost like so, it looked so much like a Roblox activation that like it really hit because you could replicate it in the meta like the you know decentraland or roblox metaverse yeah 
activation that they've created, which apparently was successful. I haven't looked hard into the data or anything, but like apparently the whole reason that Australian Open decided to launch in that space is because there was a lot of issues with like the physical activation of people getting in or crowds or whatever, not being able to afford it, whatever. I see it in two ways. I see it as it gave people more access, but it also gave them a new place to put brands that maybe didn't have budget to play in the physical space. Also, I know that there's a limited amount of space on ground and they you actually have to pitch in your ideas to even get a spot on ground because they've got so many people that would want to because it's so high traffic so yeah. you know they've got to curate some way but you don't want to throw away the bag like you can if you have another place to put it yeah you gotta that siphon it well. you gotta siphon it somewhere yeah and i think like i mean i'm really quite impressed with the australian open and their like digital savviness because they also did nfts I'm half and half on how I feel about NFTs. Like I've got NFTs and, you know, we're not going to get too far into that, but I will say that the NFT world with sports world makes sense because there's a lot of like ability to be functional with it. Yeah. Like I like the NFTs they dropped. I saw how many people carrying those oversized tennis balls around to get signed and stuff. Like if you're a real fan and collector. And that's what the Australian Open NFTs are. There are these tennis balls well, yeah. I think they even might be like giant tennis balls yeah and the as thing opposed is, to just a tennis ball yeah and it's all like there's different patterns and stuff like that and they're very very like well I think the tennis realistic I think the Australian Open in tennis in general is the perfect incubator for NFTs and I think that's where probably we'll see a lot of innovation you know you've got access to players you've got the autograph element which we can get into you've got sort of recurring events happen once a year or they happen all year round you have so many so you kind of have the membership thing you can discuss and you have, you can do VIPs, you can elevate, you know, there's a lot of perks and a lot of areas and spaces that you physically and digital that an NFT can kind of be experimented with. Also, I think the fact that there's wealth. Like, and it's a, yeah, it's a high price as well. So you, yeah, you can kind of play with price as opposed to music, which is each individual artist, for example, is, is very unique to that fan base and you can't sort of scale it like you can with tennis and, mm. and then... i think that's the thing with sport there is the ability to scale it because yeah. it's got such a wide appeal yeah and the other thing is so much history so you can also kind of similar to what the nba did with top shot is like you can play on highlights and the best of moments and owning the moment you know there's, there's literally so much that they can do with with the nft yeah so another way that i like the digital integration of the australian open is they have the, particularly in the bigger courts, they've got these digital screens that they never used to have back in the day, obviously. Like, they really, they love a little, like, animation. Yeah. And they love not 3D, just... A, 3D animation. Yeah, and not just, like, an animation or, you know, visualizer. They even, like, play on the futurism of it all. Like, they do this dystopian future aesthetic, yeah. which is really funny. Yeah, like calculating Tron like yeah. Blade Runner like it's very everything's kind of they've got those little sort of bleep bloops like yeah like figuring out the problem beep, 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 and then it's some like really vapid like electronic beats and yeah well then it's like even well, they use it functionally as well I like where it's like close call yeah and it feels like gamified I think it's the Rolex close call yeah oh sorry or the Rolex. <laughs> gotta give it to the, the sponsors another one that i thought that's creepiest out of all that i did notice on the screens was i think it was qatar airways and it was like emirates was it emirates well they're it one of the, they're one of the major sponsors so but unless qatar i can't remember who flew it was in. but it was a almost like a 1984 style like public service announcement oh, yeah, it, was, it was emirates yeah and it was like woman 
giving a public service announcement and some like very futuristic Blade Runner. Literally or, Blade Runner. If you yeah. see the billboard scene where there's like a woman who's just kind of reading, I think it's in in Blade Runner, she's like advertising Coca-Cola and she's it's just a very kind of dead eyes, you know, very pretty woman just kind of speaking automated about why you should drink coca-cola yeah it was very weird and i don't really know who wants this like why we're obsessed with these digital aesthetics or sorry dystopian aesthetics yeah well it's giving very like tupac at coachella like vr sort of Mm, yes you know it's almost like your or even like star wars right that's is it star wars they have that sort of vr the classic vr moment where is it no sorry hologram the hologram it's like yeah the person's there but they're kind of just like glitching a little bit like pixelated and you're like oh they're not real that's weird yeah it was pretty weird like but yeah i i do like how they use the almost gamified aesthetics to kind of communicate rules Mm. of the game i think that's a really kind of underplayed realization of the australian open in particular and i'm sure the american the u.s open similar is they seem to be, maybe it's sort of converse to what Wimbledon is, which is all that tradition and the classic, classicness, classic, classes, yeah. <laughs> classism. No, but like, this is all about going the other way. So it's mm-hmm. instead of looking back and it's, there's no ye oldie, it's all about future, cutting edge, new, new, new. And that's someone at the Australian Open has gone for that. And I think it aligns with, it might be to do with Kia as well, you know, mm. electronic vehicle. Moving forward, future, future, future. I think they've just leaned on that, and I think I think it works. It's just a, it's a little bit jarring. I always get this confused as well. Electronic vehicle versus electric vehicle. Isn't an electric vehicle? But I I skew towards saying electronic. Electric vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Well, electric. I guess everything has electronics, but electric motor is its own thing. The Kia activation was really opulent. There would just be a casual like Kia car just on display in like lots of different places but there was the big one mm. that you could go and like sit in the car and like try before you buy type of situation there was like yeah. some kind of simulated waterfall going on it makes sense though like if you're gonna buy a car you do want to get your hands on it and yeah i think it's that actually does and you're also kind of like there are down moments where you're like bored enough that you would just try and try out the seats yeah we didn't but we didn't but i saw a lot of people engaging. we did also a little memory you know you're looking out into the the oasis of brand activations, you know, everything's kind of shimmering and you're like, what is out there? The teeny tiny chemist warehouse, you know, think like a little shipping container. No, it was bigger than that. But that type of vibe, like a little... It's like a pop-up A little isolated little sort of... The chemist warehouse island. Yeah, little cube. And it's just very branded chemist warehouse. And you look inside, it was like they had mini aisles. It was an actual store. With the chaotic yellow stickers and the chaotic branding. And it was... Think of an aisle, but it's like one quarter of the length. But they really went in on the sort of cluttered, you know, within this space of not much. They probably had about seven aisles. But that's what the real store is yeah, like. Yeah, it, it reminded you of, and you personally love it. I was into it. You love a chemist. So you were like... Yeah, of, I'm a big farmer baby. I saw you kind of like gravitate like a... But this is the thing. See how I like the function of it? Because when you're there and I'm like, holy shit, I'm having a hay fever moment mm. and I didn't bring my Telfast or whatever, it's like, oh my God, there's a solution. Because yeah. the amount of times that's happened to me on the field, when I've been at a festival or something, I've run out of hay fever tablets, it's like anything can happen now. Like I'm vulnerable out here. Yeah. Also think about the heat, right? You as a hydrolyte consumer, yeah, like that really is like serving function when it's like really hot days mm. because this is in the height of summer 
and you can get hydrolyte at like discount prices, you're going to be pretty happy. I think what we like as well, it's all about simplicity. I think what's so good about that activation, if we're breaking it down, is much like the McDonald's swing at Falls, it was the brand is all about it has everything and it's all about that utility and it's they weren't trying to do anything weird with the brand they just were like let's replicate what people know and love about chemist warehouse which is there is a sort of element of comfort it's almost like jb hi-fi as well it's like you sort of fall into this chaotic yellow sticker space when you're in there and everything's there for you and i think that's what you were going into. Well, just, that branding. Was... You know I love a yellow sticker. I go into the Woolworths and I'm like, yeah. Coles, and I see a yellow sticker, I'm just like inclined to yeah, go save towards save 94 it. cents, but it's like... Yeah, but you never read the fine print. You're just like, yeah, I need three instead of two if I can get one for free. You know yeah. what I mean? But like, I guess what I like about this is just, you're not trying to be a conceptual with it. Yeah. And not to say that it, it defeats the purpose of having high concept activations, but I think there are certain things that are hard to sell in particularly if they don't have a footprint in like a pop culture space or whatever like i don't need big pharma to start going weird on me like i need it to just be what it is there was also the bondi stands who doesn't want a little sunscreen a little free sunscreen which is pretty expensive and the guy was tossing these little sort of 100 mil bondi sand sunscreens and i chucked up my hand and like a quarterback he just like ripped it down the field and i caught that one-handed and you were pretty impressed by that cat i was impressed by it but you know what i wasn't impressed by that there was clear favoritism because i did not get chucked but i I, thought, I did a very clear like over here bro and he just fanged it so i think if you were to like hand up but you might have copped one in the eye like yeah i'm not I, really good at i don't know if you're not the much best there. catcher yeah I'm, Maybe they knew. They probably got a, a feel. He would have chucked you on, but you didn't. Well, I did show. like strategically walk past several girlies after that that were part of the promo team and tried to make eye contact and um, was unsuccessful in getting their attention. The best part about that activation was they had these little like water zones. And because of the hot weather, you could just get under there and kids were running around in it and whatever. And they also had lots of like pumps available for their. They were really pushing the sport. I like that, actually. I liked how, like, granular they got with it. It wasn't just Bondi Sands. It was Bondi Sands Sport. And they kind of were selling that in. They also did it on the ads between sets. Like, I saw them on the virtual screens, the digital screens as well. Mm. Some would argue that sunscreen is a human right. Yeah. Some would argue that, especially you. Much like tampons and probably chuck condoms in there arguably should be free especially in like bondi and sun areas i mean this is one for the government albo if you're listening i mean if you're gonna have all this skin cancer advertising then maybe make it a free product and everyone be- i would kind of take away from the whole bondi sounds <laughs> need to exist. I guess they could get paid by the government instead of by the consumers. Not to is say it, the government. Right, Bondi Sands, this is your new B2B play. Not to say the government makes B2G. sunscreen. <laughs> B- business should, to government. They should sort of make it readily accessible. Which well, it, it was. Is. It was readily accessible there. I mean, if we can put hand sanitizer in places, then we can put sunscreen exactly, in places. Exactly, that's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. Could you get a sanitizer that is also a sunscreen? That exists, right? Yeah, but I don't think you want to rub sanitizer all over your Maybe arms. you do. Maybe you're a germaphobe. I, I don't use sanitizer anymore after the last couple of years. All right, so we're really exposing ourselves as some people here are No, like I wash my hands and I'll, I'll do a very... I'll do a rinse of the hands, like, between chopping stuff and it's like if i'm gonna eat a burrito that's covered in foil i'm not gonna sanny my hands before that there's a protection layer already but on the bondi sands thing i 
thought their activations were well executed. The sunscreen actually really helped me. I was fizzling up in there and I'm, I'm not like one to burn that easily, but I was feeling it. And that wasn't even a hot day. We, like we specifically went on that day because it wasn't too hot. Yeah, 37 degrees two days before. Those were kind of the main ones. All right, so alcohol activations. I think that the um, gin one was really good. They played that cheeky gin, Gordon's gin. It was like all pink and they were definitely picking a demo. Millennial women was the vibe for me. Uh, but yeah, it was very like Instagrammable or whatever. And it was like added the word cheeky gin and then shall we is their tagline. And I'm like, Little question mark, question mark. And I'm just like, you know, that's the dialogue. That's the let's have a cheeky gin, shall we? Like, great. Great. I think they did a great job. Whoever their copywriter mm. is, well done. I don't know if it's a global thing or if it was a... I felt like the word cheeky was very Australian, but I thought they did a good job. The other travesty was seeing the $13 Peroni Zeros. <laughs> that is outrageous. Zero, That's 0% alcohol, $13. That's fucking insane. Like, you're paying more so you can recover. I guess that kind of is a selling point. No, I think it's more about feeling included. Like, you're out there with the boys drinking Peronis. Yeah. And you just want to be part of the action. You want to feel something. Then but you're this, willing to pay yeah, it. Yeah, zero alcohol being even in the ballpark of a normal beer is crazy. Yet you buy it. Occasionally. I didn't buy one of those. I just have my Coke Zeros and I'm quite happy. I'm back on the Coke Zeros. There was no Pepsi Max activation at this one. so That's what I mean though. For Coke Zero, it's like four. There's no reason. They weren't four there. How much were they? I can't remember, but it was not four. Even if they're six... That even goes to show that the non-alcoholic drink should just have a cap. It should never approach the regular beer price. The wildest thing about non-alcoholic beverages, this is where it's all the question mark on ethics, but like you can sell them in supermarkets where Mm. much like a lot of things that parents like to kick up a fuss about, which I don't necessarily disagree with, putting them in supermarkets, it's like little Tony, six-year-old Tony is going to see these non-alcoholic beverages next to their fun beverages and then you're building brand awareness at a very young age well they weren't they were never allowed to advertise at racing events Mm. like formula one right as soon as they did a zero now literally on the track heineken but then next to it 0.0 yeah nice like fucking children don't even know what percentages are pretty cunning like that's it's very fucking That's smart. when you realise the devil is working very hard. Well, this is like when you think about merchandising in supermarkets, right? Like, I remember having to do one of my assignments when I was doing my fucking master's in marketing. Just to find a nice little name drop there, because that's all I get to get out of it. My piece of paper on the wall and a little name drop here and there. But I remember doing this one assignment about Tim Tams and, like, lots of different kind of products like that. And the way they're positioned in the supermarkets, it's not as simple as like, you're a chocolate covered biscuit. It's like, can you get into the confectionery aisle though, or you put it to the biscuit aisle Mm. and finding ways to like cross pollinate into those. A lot of collabs happen off the back of that. You know, you do a lolly collab. So if you see like a Allen's collab with a Tim Tam, it's like a cross pollination of being able to get the biscuit into the confectionery aisle, the confectionery into the biscuit aisle and getting more share of, I guess, space within the supermarket and therefore more share of wallet. So pretty interesting with the non-alcoholic beverages. Look, I am here for them. It does. I like I am also part of this. I'm like, I don't drink anymore and you know there are situations where i just want to play i want to have a fun drink or i want to be included and that's where they really get you yeah and look you know thank god they're here but also like i don't know we tried to get a coffee oh fucking hell there's numerous food numerous cool and uncool food yeah there was like super normal was there they had rustica was there bologna like rustica 
fishbowl, which so I go, so caved we, for. We go, you're crushing. You're like, you need some caffeine at that point. We go to Rustica. Line's too long. So we're like, fuck it. Let's go into the, into the arena. Go to the more like standard Lavazza coffee place, which is fine. Go I in think Lavazza is like their major sponsor, right? Well, that's the vibe of it. Yeah, we go in, wait the line. We head to the front. I'm seeing the oat milks. It was almond, soy, and I'm like... Oh, any regular... I don't see any oat, and I'm like... Two to four litre. strange. Ask her, and I'm like, do you have oat? She's like, no, we don't. And I was like, that's weird. So then we're like, all right, let's just go to Rustica <laughs> and get... Let's, we know they're going to have oat here. So we like get in the Rustica line. I'm like waiting. I'm like, oh, just go up and have a look. And you look, you sort of zoom in. Rustica does its own thing, right? Coffee-wise. Looking at the cups, you look at the machine, and you're like, it's also Lavazza. And they got the same milk. So Lavazza has monopolized the whole space, which is yeah, not Yeah, and you know, from a brand perspective, they got a good deal to be able to be like, there is to be no other coffee yeah. on premise. I understand that they had like first pour. <laughs> is that first drip privileges? First drip. Yeah, and then obviously I'm assuming that they have a partnership with certain milk brands. I don't know why there is like a no oat policy, but like there was no oat to be seen. They had chosen their allies and you could not get a drop of oat milk on premise. This feels like a, a contract that was signed about eight months ago. Could have been longer. This could feels like a legacy. Yeah, this feels like a legacy contract and it cannot be changed. And yeah, so hopefully next year we'll see oat milk. It was one of those moments fold. where I was like, I'll even have minor figures. Like oh, that's how desperate I am. I'll even have minor figures. Oh yeah, I was not going to ask what the oat brand was. I assumed it would just be a, a so good. But the I soy, think it was Vitasoy was the... Vitasoy, but the soy one was fine. This is a good segue. We drank the soy cappuccinos as we entered this game with Ben yeah. Shelton. That was our second game that we were watching. So this is a less glamorous court. This is an outdoor court. I liked it. We're in the, we're in the mud. It's good vibe. Nicholas Jarry was the other one. There's, Nico is what people want. There's watch. this Chilean guy and this American guy. Very close. Like, no one's breaking serve, but it was going in the American guy's favour, and he was probably going to win in straight sets. So the Australian crowd who are in the mud, like sinking beers, are just getting a bit rowdy. And all of a sudden, they do. they're just backing the Chilean guy. And it's no, just... no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, they were backing the American guy. The Chilean guy had a very diehard Chilean audience. Well, I'm talking specifically there about... Are big, there is a very... Like, I had a lot of friends from Chile that are from Melbourne. And I think there's a big community here. So it felt natural. Like, I know that if it was a Filipino player, the Filipino community would come and support that Filipino yeah, player. Yeah, but the funniest thing is hearing these, like, Oka Australians give anyone who's not from Australia just a nickname. I think every player just finds that hilarious. They're just like, why are you... Like, his name's, like, Nicolas. And they're like... So now he's called Nico. Or, yeah. And then know. people are like, go on, Nico! And then there was you this, got this. There was one guy opposite us, and he was just riding for this. Chilean well, he had guy. a hoodie on at first, so he couldn't really tell much. And then he took the hoodie off. And you're like, oh no, it's a Steel City shirt. Yeah. And then and he's just he like, got his leg up, like real rowdy, like had his leg up, like slightly skewed towards the left, shoe on display, and I was like, it's a fucking samba. It was a samba, and he was just riding hard for the Chilean guy, and I was like, this is just hilarious like it goes to yeah show. but then to the Everyone right the underdog yeah but on the right there was this group of like the most there were so many packs of these young boys that are so bored maybe they're yeah. like 15 16 mullets on lock you know like shaved 
heads, all kinds of, you know, the vibe. And there's like a mixed bag of them. And they're just bored out of their brain. Lots of testosterone to like exert here. And they're just screaming out like Ben. They were fucking gunning for Ben. Yeah. And then actually after he ended up winning and afterwards they were all like, oh, and they wanted him to sign everything. They were like, yeah pulling their jumpers down there. They were putting their shoes down there. They were getting to sign everything. He ran up to them. He was, they were like, you're fans, man. Come on. He, you know, he signed some stuff for some kids. And then he ran over to them. And then her mom was like, what about the children? So he came back over. You, as a former autograph hunter, or I will guess like revival autograph hunter, had the smarts to actually pack a Sharpie and a little black book. And you got up there. He signed yours. So mm. we now have a new autograph for your collection. Yeah. Um, which was pretty exciting. And then like, this one poor kid. Still got it. Still got the, the autograph. Yeah, you do. And you I, like, I have all the tactics and I saw... And yeah, I you're, was, you're a seasoned autograph hunter. And so I didn't even push... some backstory. I didn't even push any kids out of the way. Like, no, no, it was, you were very polite I used to all. do this. I used to go to the tennis when I was young, once a year. It sounds very privileged. It was. But we would go and just like get seats in Rod Laver and usually kind of opposite side, further up. And then I was a lone wolf, me and my dad. And I'd be like, I'm going to go get Roger Federer's autograph, Nadal's autograph, Djokovic, Sharapova, whoever was playing. And I would covert mission on my own down in Rod Laver, which is far more policed than the outside courts. Like they specific seats. They don't let you into any aisle. Like you've really got to weevil your way around. And that's where I learned how to get autographs. You know, you got to wait for the moment, wait between games zip down before they see you and then you got to like hang over that railing and like slice yourself in half you know and then you just dangle and you just pray you know i would say i was a king yeah look i'm not gonna lie you got some good ones i mean my favorite of the autographs the historical autographs that you have is the richard branson yeah so the once... fact that you're like 11 and you know who that is <laughs> pre like in social media and everything. i mean he he was he was big he was a big presence in the world I'm very impressed that he actually signed that. So I saw him. So I was coming back from one of my hanging over the edge, getting the tennis player autograph. And then I'm coming back to my seat. And then I look down and who is walking up? It's Richard Branson. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like waiting there, waiting there, waiting there. No one else really is paying attention. And I've got a knack for just spotting famous people. You do. You have a sixth sense for it. So Sir Richard Branson is walking up towards me and I just go, can I please have your autograph? And he just leers down, grabs the Sharpie rips an autograph and then he's off and I'm just buzzing. Yeah. And that also happened once with Roger Federer's wife and she said no. Fair enough. But fair enough. She knew I didn't care. She just knew I just wanted any old autograph. I respect her saying no. And you know what? That's a really important lesson in consent. Yeah. So totally. there you go. And I also could have been bamboozling her for millions of dollars. So she, yeah. she knew not to just sign Yeah, her lawyers had her on lock. Circling back to the modern day. So we've got Ben's autograph and I saw it I saw I took a lot of content to just document this moment because I've heard a lot about it and now I've seen you in the wild the words that you said to me after that was I have a taste of blood yeah and you're you know autograph hunting fan I'm a shark at this point you're like oh the adrenaline yeah the secondhand adrenaline you're like smell blood I'm like okay if there's one to be had there's many so we yeah this is a strong Edward Cullen autographs moment yeah I guess if you want so you can have that. Well, anyway, so we now we're like, all right, ready you know, to, fuck ready it, to let's bite go. Some, ready to bite some necks. Yeah, you're so ready. I'm, you're like, all right, let's get out there. We get off the court. So we leave the court. We come out. We're filling up our water bottle. We see this group of mullet kids just over here, just like, you know, hey, like crowding around. And I'm like, what's going on over there? And I look and I zoom in 
And I'm like, it's Kyle Stefanovic. <laughs> it's Kyle Stefanovic. They're getting a selfie with Kyle. So I'm like, all right, it's go time. So I zip <laughs> on over and then I'm just sitting around. And there was this other... So there was just these like random people around Kyle and I was just waiting my turn, very polite. And then there was just an opening and I was like, this is it, I'm going for it. So I'm like, Kyle, can I get a selfie? Can I get an autograph? And he was like, no worries. 24 hours before that, he's just been in a news... He's just been in the news tussling with the former cricket captain in Noosa. So Kyle's antics don't stop. Like, what's the delay on the news reporting if he was in Noosa and now he's here? Did he helicopter chopper in? Like, what's what's the deal? Um, it's called a plane. How long does it take it's to called, get here from Noosa? It's called an Emirates jet. Yeah, true. And a red eye. No, it would be a it'd be a three, be a four hour flight. Yeah, so he's straight off the plane. Kyle definitely. He's he's probably got his own. He probably get a carry packer's jet, you know, in the in the parking lot. Yeah, well, look, at the end of the day, you got Kyle, his signature. Kyle's on the Channel 9 teat, don't you, don't you forget? Well, wasn't it Wild World of Sports or Worldwide Sports or whatever it's called? What, Nine's Wide World of Sports. Yeah, that was what the kind of booth was. It made sense that he was there, but it was the timing of it after the, the producer The producer lost. called him over and was like, Carlos, Carlos. And I was like, he's going to be gone here. But then I... I got in there. And he had a little love heart on the signature, so... Yeah, he was chill. He was chill. But This anyway. is a pure fan moment. Well, not even a fan, but, you know, this is an autograph hunting moment. It wasn't for um, any kind of use of his signature. Not yet. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. After that, I, I really was indoctrinated into the game um, after this and was keen to watch some more. So we got... Oh, I thought you were going to say into the game of fishbowl. Well, I did. I got the fishbowl and I, I've never, it's never hit for me. It's always been one of those like, oh God, we're having a healthy day. You know, like I am really conscious of It's a very what smart brand because it's not quite a Pokeball. And I don't feel like they're not hanging their hat on it being a Pokeball, but it's Pokey adjacent. adjacent. But when you really dig in there, you realize how much they're like cabbaging that shit up. Like, yeah, it's all cabbage. Yeah, it's all kale. It's all kale and cabbage and some... That probably didn't work in their favor when there was the, the leaf shortages. Oh, that would have been right up their alley. So much um, cabbage around. Yeah, but they also have so much kale, so I don't know how it would have worked for some of their leaves. Just but more cabbage. They also got a lot of rice just in more, there. Just only cabbage. Just rice. Just rice, cabbage, and... A bit of... And then you can pay for salmon. your... Pay for your apple. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, look, it really hit for I, me. I fuck with fishbowl. I had it... I haven't... It hasn't hit for me before. I mean, obviously, they've been, like, at every Sydney Influence event since forever. But, like, this was the first time that it really got me. And I'm glad that we had it because we ended up somehow getting it's into the that. Sub, it's the subway of kind of bowl world, you know. Mm. Well, you know what? Like, so we ended up going back to... Was it Margaret Court that we were at? John Kane. Oh, John Kane. Yeah. And we ended up getting the, in... The sort of second... The third Rod Laver, you know, the one, mm. not Margaret Court, not Rod Laver, but the next one. I think the timing just aligned so perfectly that we got there and, like, basically got into one of the shorter lines and then... Actually, big hack, when you get in there and you naturally are inclined to go to, like, entrance two or three, which is actually the entrance if you are an autograph hunter because that's where they enter and exit the court, the players... But if you want to bypass the line, one of the workers told us to go around to gates six, seven, and eight, or is it six, five, six, and seven? Mm. Because there's much shorter lines because people are too lazy to walk around. So we did that. It actually was a great hack, and we uh, got in there just in time. It was a really um, great game, actually. It was with an Australian player. So it was Alexi Popyrin. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. And yeah. then Taylor Fritz from the US. So I think Taylor's like ranked eighth. And then yeah. and he's, I think he's a bit of a heartthrob. Like he's, he's got a very who, the Taylor. Yes. Like he's got a high ranking. He's American. He's kind of got this. I think he's a bit of a, a little bit of a star. That vibe. So Alexi, who was nicknamed appropriately because there's always a nickname, Poppy. Poppy. Poppy was like the vibe. I threw out a passion Poppy at one point. But, you know, there was a lot of names getting thrown around. I think it was like 129th or 123rd. Um, I did get a screenshot of his Instagram account. I think it was at 39K before the game. And then afterwards, not long afterwards, I had already seen it jump up by 5K. Because yeah. he ended up winning that game after a four-hour match, uh, which was pretty gripping. Like, I had a really great time. It was a good game. Now he's on 46K. Damn. 24 hours later. Pretty impressive, pretty impressive. But yeah, he played a really strong game and he's actually playing Ben next round, which is funny because you actually end up getting that autograph. So, you know, there you go. This is what I'm talking about with the A&Ring of the fresh talent. As someone that hasn't been engaged with tennis for a long time, I used to love it when I was in primary school and early high school, but um, kind of disengaged for some time. I'm like, man, the thrill of live sports, I always forget. But like, I felt the same way when we went to those basketball games in America this year, I'm just like, it's a really good outlet for like getting some of that rage off your chest. I mean, I love the collective enthusiasm of the fans. Obviously, it gets a little bit rowdy. It must have been pretty hard for Taylor in this game because everyone was just so G'd up for Alexi or Poppy. Yeah. That one guy was just being so intense. He ended up having to get kicked out. Oh man, this guy's killing me. Yeah, it was pretty hectic. Like he kept throwing around this beach ball. Yeah, he had like just, a he had like a band like a headband with a little red feather in the front. And then he had an Australian, of course, he had an Australian flag cape, and I'm pretty sure he said to someone, some like behind us, like blah blah blah, I'll punch you in the face. Oh god, like a kid, and I was like, oh, oh my, my god, god this guys. Yeah, he had to go, but yeah. yeah, he eventually got thrown out of there. So I think I'm gonna definitely keep tabs on on this poppy guy because. I thought he had a lot going for him. He's from Sydney. This feels like a Nick Kyrgios adjacent situation, like seeing his post-game interviews and stuff digitally afterwards once we got home. He had this, like, white tie-dyed kind of hoodie. And I was like, I swear I've seen Kyrgios wear a similar outfit. So he's just definitely one to keep an eye on from a social perspective. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll be getting seeded a lot of product. I think he was signed to Nike. Taking it back to Ben and um, Nico, one of them had... New Balance, and one of them had ASICs. So I noticed that as well. I'm very interested in the aesthetics of the players. Like, obviously, Serena Williams wearing, like, off-white. It was really fucking cool. She's obviously being Nike fam for a while. Like, I love those, like, old tennis looks. Like, Andre Agassi being the standout. You know, the era of, like, what would be now vintage tennis gear is very cool. Uh, and I saw a little bit of that, that look um, when we were watching the stream after we got home with the cock which is a nickname that uh is hilarious to me it's similar to cockinarchus yeah the poo he calls himself the cock yeah like i think i'm seeing like a an alignment with mark lepousis with that nickname yeah that that feels intentional but he i i gotta say so he's sponsored by codnon the cock yeah. yeah and i feel like that's a move after the uniqlo partnership because you wouldn't traditionally think of a Uniqlo or a Cotton On as a apparel provider for the tennis. No, but they um, make, make sense. Like they make the clothing. I guess they. Well, they make, make the it. clothing that the consumers would wear. 
yeah. the audiences would wear. But you got to come up to the dry fit sort of yeah. standard. I guess that's probably what, where they haven't maybe doubled, and maybe they were like, "This is a good, this is a good space for us." Yeah, and obviously, obviously with like, my, I've never stepped foot into a cotton on before. Really, ever? Never. Thing is, Uniqlo is so that's where I'd go first. Yeah, but that's also like Cotton On's Australian, and to like sponsor Australian player, I think that makes sense. They've also got Cotton On Body, they've yeah. got Typo, they've got all these different brands now. Who? Cotton On. Cotton oh. On Group have like ownership. Cotton On Group. Yeah, they. Well, I know a lot of people that work there. Actually, a girl I know, Andy, designed a pair of shorts. You actually were the one that saw it and told me, but mm. she designed a pair of shorts that the cock was wearing. Mm-hmm. It sounds weird to say the cog. She did it last year, and maybe yeah. this year. Yeah. So I mean, I got to say, his outfit last night. It's the cock K O K K. Just any old cock. Yeah, very um, unique one. But anyways, the point actually, was... what would be a good sponsorship for him would be is it Manscape, La, La Sportif. Yeah, true. Then it would be the cock, cock Sportif. The cock on cock. Oh, that'd be a good collab if they were willing to change the spelling of the name. Mm. Could be a good one. But I don't know how much of a presence they have here. I know they used to stock them at Hype DC. But the moral of the story is outfit check on him. I actually thought he had the best fit of the day. There's uh, also stream. in the crowd, I noticed in general, there's a lot of... So the lasting legacy of Roger Federer, is, he's got his own shit going on. Actually, he was one of the first people I saw three years ago promoting on like mm. ON running shoes. Dude, they're everywhere. And now they're everywhere. So yeah. I was like, this guy was... I think they're Swiss made as well. But everyone's rocking the the RF Roger Federer logo, mm. which is it's pretty. It's a pretty cool little logo. I would never wear it. But, but this it's... is similar to the rare merch spotted at the Young Lean show. It's like you know, I'm a tennis diehard. Look, I've got this particular club or particular. Yeah, but people love wearing it. Like they really, I think they love the elegance of the not just repping him, but I think whoever designed that logo, it's going to have that sort of long lasting legacy. Similar to like Nocto with Drake. It's like they could have completely butchered that but it came out good yeah well like obviously darren designed that darren being a melbourne guy an artist and cool guy like you've got to get the right people in to do this even with andy making this like cotton on design for the cock like she's fucking cool so therefore this design will make your brand look great again a testament to getting the right people on board not rock stars but like artists Mm. alternative stars yeah exactly alt stars let's go for that but yeah so his outfit what i liked about his outfit was he had these shorts on that at first i thought they were a real tree camo but it was kind of some kind of design that was like same palette as like a camo but like some kind of swirly pattern but it was so different it was more of like a marble yeah it was like a marble effect using camo colors pair of shorts that look kind of dry fit but like what i liked about them is they didn't look like tennis shorts yeah. It looked like any kind of short that you could wear that you could also play tennis in. Mm. My which... only gripe with them is they looked a little bit like boardies. I don't think they look like boardies, but I know what you mean. What would I want to wear? Okay, so while you think about that, what I liked about it is that he wore those shorts paired with like a simple black tee, obviously dry fit as well or something of their technology, but it just said cotton on, but it was very like discreet. Like it mm. was only like if you zoomed in, you could see the little like silver maybe 3M, cotton on logo on the chest. And it wasn't too overbranded. It didn't like look like some kind of jersey where they had like all these logos on there. It was very, very simple. And again, keeping with the elegant thing, which I wouldn't necessarily think of cotton on for this, but I think the positioning of it. Also, he had like, I mean, because I don't really, I'm not really familiar with his whole backstory. I just kind of perceived him. I liked his shoes. I feel like they were Adidas, right? 
but they had that kind of again that retro Andre Agassi yeah. aesthetic like it was kind of like white with a bit of neon going on like a very 90s type of silhouette then he had the frosted tips the blonde frosted tips as again was leaning towards this 90s tennis aesthetic and I have to I keep thinking about Andre Agassi as like one of the trailblazers of fashion on the field back then he also had a little one earring maybe a little yeah, pearl earring. earring was it cross yeah, one little cross, and then he had like the tattoos. Yeah, he had that little butterfly tattoo on his leg, and I'm like, this and guy's maybe a little cool. sparrow on the on the sort of the thumb mm. finger. He looked area. very much like a person, like a young person that you would see in the wild. Yeah, and then he happened to be excellent at tennis, so it was like I think he's I like that. I think he's pretty good at social media. As yeah, well. well, isn't he very adjacent to? Doesn't you say he pays doubles with Nikirios? I think they won last year. He's from there. Yeah, so this is what I mean. It's like there's certain players that really are with it, like a Dylan Alcott, as an example. I think he's very with it. Yeah. It's about building that persona outside of just the sport or the game. So I appreciated the aesthetic. I think, like, I was surprised that it was cotton on because, like, really, I think, I mean, they're really good at basics, right? That would really translate into sales. I, I could imagine, you know, yeah. like a young tennis fan wouldn't really think twice. They'd be like, that's my favorite player. He looks like this. I want to look like that. I'm going to go into cotton on store and then maybe buy other things. It's not like you're just going there for tennis things. And similar to the Uniqlo thing, it's like more just like a brand awareness play. And then it brings people to the store that can then functionally use your product. Cause you're not always trying to find athleisure. You're not always trying to go into like a Nike store and buy like very specific stuff playing sport it's also a lifestyle conversation so it makes sense that lifestyle brands are entering the space so that's definitely something i noticed well, he's um, i'm just looking on the website he's the face of the men's section on the website so that's a big partnership i mean they've got presents globally he's rocking he's actually rocking a linen shirt non-transfer chino, chino short let me see the picture boston long sleeve yeah so you know he knows what he's doing he looks you know he definitely looks like i think he's from adelaide but he it's a marble effect on his shorts, by the way. He does look like he could be a Big Brother contestant, which is... He does also look like a guy that could live in Sydney or Melbourne. Like, it did, I mean, not that it really makes a difference anymore where you're from because it's hard to tell the difference. Nice segue back to the Fitzroy boys. I just wanted to drop in there that we've uh, come to realise that according to a Vice interview that was conducted with the Fitzroy boys, actually they're mostly from the Gold Coast and Adelaide. They're not actually from the private schools of the Eastern suburbs as predicted. So this is where the lines are getting blurred. Yeah. I do I do wonder what the private schools are in those areas. I'm actually not familiar. Well, in the well, last last point, in the the active tech short, which is the one he's wearing, as seen on Tanasi, is a little note they've got on the product. The model is wearing, it's not him, but the model is wearing Salomon's. Mm, let me see that picture. So, oh, thirty nine ninety nine. You can just look like I mean, thirty nine ninety nine as a consumer price point for someone that is like a young teen. I mean, I saw a shitload of teenage boys out and about, and I could definitely see this like crossing over. Yeah. Like I could see a bunch of these little lads running around. Like you know, they'll stop into a JD Sports to cop their footwear. And then they'll stop next door to hit a cotton on to get some of these marble effect shorts. Yeah, you can get them in blue and white marble. You can get them in a off in just a beige. You can get them in a maroon. Oh, beige to go with your blazer. Exactly. You could, yeah, you could wear them with a nice, you know, a nice pair of Paul Smiths. Paul Smiths. <laughs> Paul. Paul. It's like like throwing a. I was throwing out a fishing line there. Anyway, you can also dress it up a different way. You can go like a Ben Sherman. We could go with Fred Perry polo yeah. if you want to like they dress. They can dress them up and down. I mean, we're not even endorsed by this. We should probably stop talking about it. You know, with all the active 
influence that we have. Yeah. You don't want to see the, the site break or anything. Well, that was the tennis and... I, I, I think we'll be back. Game, set, match. Game, set, match. Out. Speak to you soon.